Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. That's right, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It is true, people. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as, of course, video interviews, best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres, uh, well, we had a that wonderful Jason Reynolds last month, YA author. This month, Lee Goodkind, the uh, memoirist, immersion journalist. What a conversation we had about personal narrative. A lot of fun. Check it out. We've got a good one for next month, too. I'm not going to say who it is yet, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so check it out at authormagazine.org. We're also funded by the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. Supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. And learn about uh, PNWA, PNWA.org, you know, do a writer's conference. We're going to do, I think, uh, a little sort of mini conference this January, just focusing on the craft, the business of writing. We're not going to be doing agents and editors for this particular mini conference. It's just go there to be with writers virtually, of course, uh, and learn about writing and how to write and how to sell, how to do it. That's right. How to do it. So uh, put more information about up that soon. But anything you want to learn about the PNWA, you can learn at PNWA.org. Yes. So I want to thank the folks at Writers Digest. I was a part of their yearly conference, which they boy, they put it together quickly and it did it virtually and taught fearless writing. If you were there, great to see you or however I talked to you. Uh, it was all virtual, but it was a lot of fun. Thank you. And uh, well, it was a lot of fun, and I guess I'll be doing some more of that in the future. But right now, we're just hunkering down for winter. Yes, we are hunkering down. And, uh, well, we got a good one for you today. Yes, you do. Someone, a uh, busy man, busy man, Ian K. Smith, MD. He is uh, best known for his number one New York Times bestselling health books, including, but not limited to, Shred, The Revolutionary Diet, and The Clean 20, and his frequent national television appearances on shows like The Rachel Ray Show, The Doctors, Celebrity Fit Club, as well as The Oprah Winfrey Show, The View, Dr. Oz, Steve Harvey Show, The Talk, Larry King Live, Anderson Cooper 360, CNN, MSNBC, and many others. The author of 15 books, 15, eight of them New York Times bestsellers. He has also written three thrillers. That's right, Blackbird Papers, The Ancient Nine, and most recently, just out in this October, The Unspoken, and he's here with us today. Ian, how you doing? Great, great. Glad, glad to be with you. Awesome. Well, Ian, uh, just can't you just stop? Haven't you done enough? <laughs> Isn't it, can't you just kick back and just say, that's it. I've done it. Well, you know, listen, I feel like life is very short, and uh, I've made a commitment to myself that I am going to squeeze every ounce of it. Uh, it's very unpredictable, and I just like to be busy. I like to be productive. Yeah. I love projects, and I love books. I'm a I'm a bibliophile. Uh, I yeah. love writing. I love reading, and so this is this doesn't work for me. This is just doing what I'm passionate about. Yeah, yeah, that's how it works. Shakespeare said, "Joy's soul lies in the doing," and I think he's mm. right. I think he was right. I love that. He's right. So, life is short. Let me ask you: When did you decide that? When did it occur to you that life was short? What made you draw that conclusion? I've always felt that, but I think yeah. that. When I had a patient in medical school who died mm -hmm. in my arms, um, wow. I think that when you actually witness a transition um, and you just start realizing how fragile life is and how unpredictable it is, and you think about 
when someone dies like that in front of you, you think about what their life was really like, all the things that they did, things that they didn't do, what they can't do anymore. So I just think it gives you a different perspective and appreciation for the opportunities that you still have. Wow. How old were you? Uh, I was probably about 23, 22. Wow. Yeah. I was relatively young. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, so you went into, you were, you were, you were getting your, you were still studying. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, there's the, the idea of being a doctor and then there's the reality of it. And Mm -hmm. like anything, right. Being a, there's the idea of being a writer and there's the reality of it. And when that patient died, um, did part of the reality, I mean, did, did, did a level of the reality of this, this work you'd chosen hit home that hadn't been as real to you until then? The experiential absolutely. aspect of it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, as a medical student, you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, basically, and you're, mm-hmm. you're excited to save the world, and you're going to diagnose patients and treat them and all right. kinds of things. And, uh, um, and then when this happens, despite all your efforts, uh, to help the person and you think that uh, the person's going to make it through and they don't, then it really kind of, you know, gives you a real dose of reality. Um, yeah. And, it, and I think it also, sh- but it also sharpens your, your vision, your perception, your context, because now it informs you going forward about what the real reality can be. Uh, in yeah. The world of medicine. Yeah. I remember when we were pregnant, my wife was pregnant with our first child. We were talking to our, our, uh, midwife and we're full of excitement and talking about what it was going to be like. And then my wife was practicing her meditation and all this. We were all kind of giddy. And then our, our uh, midwife just leaned over the table. She was a great midwife. She said, you know, babies do die. Just hold that in mind. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but she was right. You know, it's part of the birth cycle. It doesn't always go the way you want. I think she had been through it herself some recently. All right, so you were, so you, so you were, you uh, always wanting to be a. Was that part of a childhood dream, being a, a doctor? Yeah, you know, I've always wanted to be a physician. I was a very curious kid. Uh, I loved science. I loved math. I loved biology and understanding uh, life and um, yeah. you know, little critters and insects and bugs and little animals. I just loved trying to understand the process. You know. And um, yeah. one question answered, I had five more questions. And so I think uh, that, you know, yeah, medicine was, was very apropos for my mind and for how I wanted to help other people. You know, I had this conversation with another writer once, and I said to him, I said, D- I think the biggest difference between the professional writer and the beginning writer is that the professional writer understands that their curiosity is the main engine of their work and that they know that because they're curious, something is worthy of their attention. Whereas the beginning writer or sometimes feels that them being curious about something isn't enough reason to lay their attention on it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's curious Um, about something. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's, it's not curiosity alone. I think it's curiosity and drive. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, because you can just be curious about something and 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 move on to another subject if you don't get an answer or you don't understand right. it. But I think when you have a drive, a level of being driven behind the curiosity, then yeah. I think that is when magic actually happens. And were you always driven? Always. I've always, you know, it was since I was a little kid, I don't ever remember not being driven. I think, you know, I grew up in a blue-collar family, and, 
you know, uh-huh. I grew up in a situation where education was valued very high in my house. Uh, uh-huh. We were very respectful. Uh, obedience was important. Uh, we played with sports. And, but we yeah. were always taught to excel at anything, whether it's uh, on the basketball court, whether it's in the classroom, or, you yeah. know, whether it's playing an instrument. The idea was always be the best you can be. And I just took that to heart, and that's just kind of the way I live. And you didn't take – they must have had some love behind that. Because you didn't, because that can be tough too. That can be like pressure. Like you're not good enough unless you win the race, unless you get the grade. But there must have been some some love beneath that for you to to have thrived in that. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. I came from a very warm family, a very loving family, and it wasn't pressure. It, it may sound like it was pressure, but it wasn't pressure like you know you got to get straight A's all the time. It right. was, you know, you have you you have a skill. You guys have skill sets. Uh, you guys are hardworking. You can do it. You can do anything you want to. Believe in yourself. So it really was more cheerleading. Uh, and then uh-huh. you know, I just took on that I felt like I should set the bar high, high for myself. And so I set the bar so high for myself. I, no one else sets it higher than me. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's me doing it, right? It's not someone else saying, right. you need to achieve this. I want to achieve right. it for myself. Yeah. It's When it comes from your – there's nothing like it. With, it's nothing like when you realize, you know, what's funny is really, it's always been, even when people say they're doing it because to please their father or please their minister or whatever, in the end, it's always for us, I think, anyway, isn't it? Isn't it always us who decides what it is we have to do to be happy or not happy? Well, it, it, it should be. It should be. But unfortunately, <laughs> but, a lot of people think that um, they are trying to please other people and they think that pleasing other people will make them happy. And unless <sighs> what someone else wants coincides with what you want for yourself, then that's 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 a fool's errand. You're not going to be happy that way. You really have no. to define what brings you happiness, and then you have to go out and execute a strategy to attain it. So, all right. So you're you want to be a doctor? You're a curious guy. You're interested in life, and so you become a doctor. That's enough. That's a whole thing. Being a doctor is a whole. Did you have a Did you have a focus of your of the medicine? Were you into? Was it just yeah, general started, medicine? Or? Well, I started off in orthopedic surgery, and then my training, and then I shifted to physical medicine and rehabilitation. Because okay. I started doing television um, when I was a medical resident, and so orthopedic surgery was just difficult to be able to do both. Listen, right. I've always been a person who believes that, you know, doing one thing. I never could understand as a kid how people could choose one career and do it for thirty, thirty-five years, then they retire, <laughs> then it's over. And that right. just seemed to me that just seemed to me very boring, and it seemed yeah. like you kind of pigeonholed yourself into something, and you lost all these opportunities. So. My attitude, even when I was young, and I'm glad I had this attitude, was if I'm good enough and I work hard enough, I'm going to try all kinds of different things, and some I'll fail at, but at least I'll get a chance to taste and feel what the experience is. And so for me, yeah, being a doctor is one whole career for someone for 40 years, then they retire, but that just wouldn't that wouldn't challenge me enough intellectually or right. physically. So you, um, so you, so you, you say you started doing television. How did that come about? When I was a medical student in my last year, um, I'd always loved the news. I was a news junkie, still am. Uh-huh. And I always yeah. wanted to see how is the news made? How do they put those stories together we see? I want to see uh-huh. behind the scenes. And so before I graduated from medical school and went on to become a, a doctor, I figured this was my last chance, really, because residency is so tough. This was right. my last chance to really do something out of the box. And so I did an internship while I was still a medical student at one of the local NBC affiliates in Chicago and really just uh, shadowed an anchor, uh, a morning news anchor, who's still my friend, and uh, just basically learned about news, learned about 
the business wow. of TV. I wasn't planning on being on TV, but I just wanted to satisfy the curiosity of understanding how they do it. And, you know, fast forward, I end up getting an opportunity to do uh, television while I was in New York City at NBC in New York. So interesting. And did you did you start doing this, the TV before writing the books, the, your, the diet books? Yes. So so first I, I was a correspondent for NBC, the Today Show, the Nightly News. Oh, crap. Yeah, then I was a columnist for Time Magazine. Um, okay. New York Daily News. And then so um, it was about maybe three years into that part of my career where I, I got uh, a publisher approached me, Random House, and asked me would I be interested in writing books. And right. that began my career. I see. Okay, because you had the platform already, yes. and they said, yes. let's, let's use it. Now, had you ever thought of trying to write a book at that point? Absolutely, but I didn't want to write health books, believe it or not. Even though I was going to medical uh, school, I wanted to write fiction. Yeah. <laughs> so my, okay. yeah my first desire was to write fiction, um, and I had written uh, a book while I was a senior in college, uh, which eventually came out, uh, which is The Ancient Nine, which is my second right. novel, which is about my uh-huh. experiences um, in one of Harvard's secret societies. Um, and so that whole book is based on me. The character is me, and it's fictionalized, wow. but most of it is me. And uh, so, yeah, I always wanted to write fiction, but when I started to write uh, and got published, uh, it was health because it made sense. I was a doctor. I was a columnist. Sure. I was a medical correspondent, but I always had that hidden passion to want to write yeah. mysteries and thrillers. Yeah, but you wrote a lot of health books. I mean, what is it, about 15 or how many? Dozen? 15? Um, 15 I, books. I'm 15, up to you. It looks like. Well, The Unspoken, the most recent novel, is my 19th book. Um, and just to be very honest, I'd have to k- go back and count how many of them are health. Right, right. right. I guess about six, 16 or 15 or 16 are health books because this wow. is 19. Oh. I've written three novels. Now, you know, that's a lot about the same subject. We'll get to the fiction in a second. That's a lot of books about health and, and diet and and uh, did you get bored of it? Did you lose interest? I mean, how did you keep yourself interested in that? Because that's a very particular subject. How would you keep yourself well, interested? Well, because things always change, right? And the beauty of yeah. medicine and science, uh, as we're learning about the coronavirus, is, you know, something new always comes up. And um, what I loved, uh, and I still do love writing health books, is that there's always a great topic to get into and new developments and new research to incorporate uh, in a book. And so, no, I never got bored. Um, I just, you know, I was was always looking for what's the new thing, what's on trend, could I possibly start a new trend? So, I, no, it was never a boring proposition. However, I will say that writing nonfiction versus writing fiction is very, very different, and they yeah. appeal to me in different ways. Right. Well, and particularly the kind of nonfiction, because the nonfiction you write if I understand, it's not really narrative because there is narrative nonfiction, of course, which is what I write, which I used mm-hmm. to write fiction. Now I write this. And they're, they're, there's a lot of crossover between the memoir and the personal essay in fiction. But your writing, um, those are really more in the how, more prescriptive type books. So it's a different kind of part of your mind you're using, I would imagine. Absolutely. It, it is a, it's yeah. a much different. Um, you, you, you access your mind differently. You process it differently. Uh, it's a different format. It's just a very different way of doing versus um, other types of nonfiction, which is, like you said, more narrative. Uh, and then, of course, very different than the fiction and novels, which is completely, you know, you know, free imagination kind of go wild. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you before, let me ask you about being on television. Uh, I always think it's an interesting thing 
Because, of course, there's a lot of advantages to being on. I've, ne- I've never been a correspondent on television. I doubt that will ever happen. But, you know, there's obviously there's the there's the um, being the attention, right? The recognition There's the money. Uh, but then what is but those aren't experiences. Those are sort of after effects, maybe for you. And sometimes I think some people can do it just for those things. But for you, what was the what was the experience of being on television that made you want to keep doing it? The ability to take the ability to take very complicated medical information and to crystallize it down to nuggets of usable wisdoms that people can take and change their life immediately. And that to me is very to empower others. To me is very gratifying, which is what which is what doctors do, right? It's basically a different way of doctoring. So, you know, to talk about you know type two diabetes and a new study shows that if you, you know, lose 10% of your body weight, you could possibly drop your blood sugars, all that kind of thing, those, that kind of information, and being able to give it to the public and have the public be able to make sense of that very complicated study, that, that is it for me. Uh, you know, the lights, and the, the lights and the stuff like that, you know, that's fun. Uh, it's entertaining. But what really makes it fulfilling is being able to give people that information that can be life-changing. And and the and and but and even to go one step back, you had first said to take these big ideas and to crystallize it. I would imagine intellectually, the challenge, like writing a poem in a way, or or a very short essay of taking a big subject and being able to phrase it in such a way that someone who isn't a doctor, and who only has a, a ninety seconds of your attention, it can make them understand. I would think that would just be an interesting problem in and of itself to to solve. Well, it's a real challenge, and that's why I like it. The challenge is, one, you have to take complicated medical information, understand it yourself, then be able to crystallize it, but but be able to crystallize it in a way that you don't lose the veracity of the information. Right. You've got to stay true, but you have to say it and deliver it in a way that someone who does not have a medical or scientific degree can understand. That's the dance that I play, and it's very challenging at times, and that is what stimulates me is the idea of trying to – you know, it's this new project every time to try to do this, and it's a delicate dance, and it's challenging, and sometimes it's difficult, but that's fun to me. Fun. It's got to be fun. You know what Ernest Hemingway said? If you're not having fun, you might as well be dead. And apparently, <laughs> he stopped having fun at some point, and that was the end of that. But that's good. So it's fun. And so, okay, you said to yourself, so you're going along, you're cooking, you're having this great career, but you like to do different things, and that different thing, that secret passion was always there. Was the Blackbird Paper the first of your three novels to be published, or did the H and Nine come before that? No. So the Blackbird Papers was the first mm-hmm. one I published. It's a story about a professor uh, who is um, suddenly and mysteriously murdered uh, in the mountains of New Hampshire uh, after he receives a big award from the university's president, the college's president, and uh, his brother is an FBI agent and goes up to New Hampshire to find out who killed and why someone killed his brother. That was the first book I wrote, however, was The Ancient Nine. Right. The first book that got published was The Blackbird Papers. And once The Blackbird Papers got published, then my next book uh, novel was The Ancient Nine. Um, and then after that, uh, the mo- most recent book this year, um, uh, The Unspoken. And so when you decide you wanted to write, so the, the fiction had been bubbling around in you. The idea of writing fiction had been bubbling around in you since you were a young man. Was it even before college? Was it always with you? Because usually writers, they kind of always, always, always want to do it. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I've always I've been a reader since I was in third grade, a big reader and big lover yeah. of books. I, mean, yeah. I always imagined that I'd be able to write a create. You know, yeah. we call it creative writing back then. Um, right. But I always wanted to write it. Um, but you know, I had so much going on, and you know, I was yeah. in a, a science guy also, so was trying to trying to balance both of those and pursue them in a parallel way. It wasn't always easy, but yeah, I always knew I was going to be a writer. And so, what went? Talk to me about the moment you said, "I'm going to." I'm going to do this. I know I wrote that book when I was in college, but I got this new idea and I, I want to do it for real. Or did you just sort of do it sort of casually and then look up and say, Oh, that's pretty good. Maybe I'll try and sell it. How did that go? Well, I think that when I was in medical school at Dartmouth, my first two years were at Dartmouth, my last two years were at the university of Chicago. Um, and when I, um, was in medical school, I just said, I said, my goodness, I have this really good idea for a novel and um, I want to do it, and it, and it, it took place up in Hanover, New Hampshire, and I just found it a very interesting scene and a place to stage something like that, um, and I just said, I'm going to write this book. Now, I, I, I started writing it, but it wasn't until I got to New York. I graduated from medical school. I was training in, this, in the city. It wasn't until I really started publishing my nonfiction and that I had now a platform and pub- I had a publisher right. now who I could say, hey, Let's write some fiction too, and that's when it took off. Did they say what? no? Go write me another fitness book, or did they say <laughs> yeah, okay? Yeah, that's that's, a not, that's not on the same shelf, you know. Yeah, well, it's interesting <laughs> because you know publishers like to kind of continue to do what's been working. Uh, yeah, for them. of course. And, yeah, and so you know the the fiction was new, the nonfiction was doing very well, and they're a business, and so you know they would have preferred to have continued to. Re- published my health books but i said listen i'm passionate equally passionate about fiction and i want to do this from an artistic creative standpoint so we got to do it and so you know i had a little leverage because of the success of my other books Um, they may not have done it by the way because you know like i said the health and diet those books were a safe bet but they they capitulated and i'm glad they did and so what was that like getting, you know, because there's one way to talk to your readers uh, as an author of fitness books, very different as a, a fiction author. What was that like for you when you got it out there uh, and you actually began to hear from readers? It, amazing. Just amazing. Yeah? Just yeah, Well, because you spend so much time with the story and it's kind of your own story and you're creating it. It's different than you write a diet book. A diet book is a very different kind of thing you're delivering. You, I'm excited that people do well on my diet books and, you know, they give it a lot of credit for their weight loss yeah. journey. But when someone loves something that you have created uh, that's uh, in the creative realm, that feels good. I love the story. I love the character. I like this, like that. That feels very, very good. It's very rewarding. Uh, and it's also nerve-wracking because, you know, you're creating the story. You don't know who's going to like it or not, you know. And, no, you uh, don't. Right? So you kind of you, – you, and you spend so much time by yourself with this little creation and then you finally release it to the world and you don't know how it's going to hold up. So um, it's an interesting experience yeah. to, to say the least. It is. Yeah. Cause the thing is when you, a story, when you take a person on a, a story journey, they're really having an experience. Like they give themselves over to that with their imagination. And I don't know if you've studied this, but you know, the body can respond to imagined experiences almost as, as if it's a real experience, you know, sure. as if, Sure. If you think there's a tiger outside your door, your body will behave as if there's a tiger outside the door. And so they, they, when people love your stuff, they, a story 
they love it. And when they don't love it, man, they don't love it. You know, it's the why <laughs> hate stuff we don't like. Because you took us on this journey. I didn't want to go on that journey if you went on something. So it's such it's, it's just such a personal thing. It's such an intimate experience, the, the story, uh-huh. yeah? Absolutely. And you started. 100%. And so, okay, so then you, but so that was in 2005. So that's 15 years ago. And then the Ancient Nine came out. When did the Ancient Nine come out? Uh, the Ancient Nine came out two years ago. So 2018. Oh, that's right. 2018. So you had this big jet. And so did you finish the Blackbird papers and thought, well, I don't know if I want to do more of this. What was, why the long interim? Uh, just because doing everything else, it was just, no, yeah. my desire was a hundred percent there. And I was excited about doing more, but you know, writing the diet books, doing TV at the same time, I just kind of have, I had bandwidth like anybody else. Right. Yeah. I have a pretty wide bandwidth. But I just, I was at max. And um, so I just, you know, and I also wanted to take my time, you know, I mean, you know, for yeah. fiction, as you know, you know, you got to work a story. It's got to be work and sculpted and crafted and, you know, yeah. whereas kind of writing a diet, this is the evidence. This is how you write. Right. You know, this is, you know, so it's very different, you know, so it just mm-hmm. took a while to, to get the next one in. But I've committed now to writing two books a year for the next several oh. years where I'll write. Yeah. yeah, my fiction will be in the spring and my, sorry, my, my nonfiction and health will be in the spring and my fiction will be in the fall. Oh, my Lord. Well, I was going to say. So the unspoken, you, that one. So the ancient nine you, you you wrote in college. The Blackbird Papers you had the idea for it in college, but the unspoken. So this is a new story come to you. Was that exciting? Uh, very exciting, very exciting. I always wanted to write um, the unspoken. Um, where I always wanted to create a character where you had a a former detective who was with the Chicago Police Department who decides he's going to leave because he doesn't participate in a he won't participate in a cover up of a bad shooting. And he becomes a private investigator. And I always wanted to write that kind of character, you know, a guy who's smart, um, he's tough, uh, he's kind of sarcastic, doesn't take life too seriously, but you like him. He's the kind of guy you want to hang out with. And he likes justice. He's determined to bring justice for anybody. He doesn't care who you are or where you're from. He just wants right to prevail. And so uh, Ash Kane is his name, and he just is one of those guys that won't stop until right is done. It sounds like this guy is going to be with us for a little while. Are we going to be seeing him again? Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, book two is going to come out next October. It's called Wolf Point, which is really exciting. The first case is the case of a, a missing uh, real estate heiress, a young girl who goes missing, and her mother comes down to the city of Chicago um, and to hire Ash Kane to find her. That's the unspoken. The second book, Wolf Point, is about a the former uh, president of the Chicago um, school board, uh, Board of Education, who is found half-submerged in the Chicago River of what they think is su- a suicide, but his children believe that he was killed. And the idea of working in a series, like the same, of, of bringing this guy back and, and him growing and change, you know, probably have different relationships and, you know, he'll grow. Is the, 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 does that appeal to you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and I love it. Um, I, I love the series. I love building the character. You can... You know, from book one to book two, you can already see development. It has a great story arc, and it just uh, gives you something familiar that allows you to kind of grow. Uh, the book yeah. Unspoken always has been optioned to be a TV series. Um, yeah. So fingers crossed that gets made. Yeah. But, yeah, there are going to be plenty of adventures for Ash Kane, let me tell you. <laughs> hey, that is fantastic, Ian. If it just, I just think you've got the mojo. I wouldn't be surprised if they do make that into a series. That would be just awesome. You, so, so right now, Ian Smith is mostly just writing. Yeah, is that like kind of what you're doing these days? Or well, are you, I'm also are the you host. Do- 
I just became the host of the Doctors, the national syndicated TV show. So, <laughs> yeah, so I I do that and I do my writing and uh, I still appear on Rachel Ray. I got a lot of a lot of balls in the in the air, but you know oh, it's my. fun. Uh, Every day I wake up, I'm excited because uh, it's new day, new challenges, and I always try to have some fun. So it's life is good. Uh, you're doing all right, Ian. You're doing all right. So far, <laughs> this has been pretty good, I'd say. That is fantastic. Yeah. Well. All right, so first of all, if people want to learn more about you, don't they didn't they've they've learned a little bit here, but there's more to know. Where should they go to get more dose of Ian K. Smith besides their television sets? Sure. Uh follow me on Instagram. I'm at Dr. Ian Smith. Spell the doctor out. I A N Smith. On uh Twitter it's D R Ian Smith. And then on my website is drian.smith.com. Once again, spell the doctor out. And, um, yeah, I have a lot of fun on social media, so if you follow me, you'll see a lot of stuff, and I, I interact with everyone who sends me messages. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty fun. Uh, okay. Got that, people? That's where you can learn about it. Okay, I'm not quite through with you, Ian. I got one more okay. question. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to finish this sentence for me. If writing, all the writing you've done, has taught you anything, it's taught you what? It's taught me that being creative is really something that we all have in us. And if we allow our minds to just run free, uh, we can all do it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's true. Ian, thank you so much. It was great having you on. Best of luck with the series, although I don't think you need it. <laughs> Thanks. And people can get the book at the, uh, Amazon.com, The Unspoken. Oh, thank you. Right, Amazon. Thank you very much, Ian. Good salesmanship. Right. Oh, you're a natural. All right, take it easy. <laughs> thank you, man. Nice talking to you. Right. See you. Okay. Bye-bye. As people, we all are creative. We are. That's right. I got a book coming out in May called Everyone Has What It Takes. I do. You see? That was meant to be. It's kismet. Okay. Listen, next week, I won't be doing it live. My guest is from in jolly old England, so I'll be doing it on Zoom and then uploading it. Uh, but hopefully, I'll get it uploaded around the same time as uh, normal. Uh, until then, I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you, RJ. And to all of you, uh, go find something you love and do it. That's right. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.